Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. Well, good morning. Uh, before uh, I came into first service this morning, I got a phone call from my pastor. He's in Big Bend, uh, Kansas, where this weekend they in, uh, inducted him into the Hall of Fame of his high school. And uh, praise the Lord. And uh, today he is preaching in a church in Big Bend. And I, pr- I promised him that we would pray, and we have, for him as he prayed for us over the phone this morning. Basically what Matt wanted me to share with you is that he loves you and that he can't wait to get back. And his prayer was that the Holy Spirit would fill this place uh, with the anointing from God and that we would all leave here differently than when we came. And I said, Pastor, I agree with that prayer. And uh, I, in turn, prayed the same thing for him. So we got a double barrel out of it. But anyway, we're, we're proud that God's using our church all over the country. Uh, it's an exciting thing to see what God is doing. And um, we can choose to look at the negative or we can look at the positive. And <clears throat> I promise you that God's purposes will always be fulfilled. They will not be set aside and that everything God has done in my life and your life has been for a purpose. And uh, that's more or less what I want to talk to you today about. You know, as I get older, uh, I realize how little I know about Scripture. And I was sharing this morning that uh, a friend of mine and I, we've been friends since... Uh, we were 18, uh, played ball against each other, played ball with each other, and uh, raised our families together. And uh, he's 79, and I'm 78. And uh, we were talking. This was two weeks ago. He said, Bill, he said, I am learning more right now than I've ever learned in my life. And I said, me too. I said, it's amazing what God is doing in these days about revealing truth to us. And uh, you know, one thing about it, the more God gives you, the more you want to give it away. You know, and uh, he says that uh, I watch over my word to perform it. And a scripture that kept coming to me after I had already put a word together that I thought God wanted to share, a scripture that kept coming to me that I couldn't shake And he just gave me a few words, and I didn't even know where it was, Jody. I had to go look it up. And it was out of the treasure of your heart. And I found it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He said, we have this treasure in our heart. And what God began to show me was the treasure is the word of God in our heart. It says in human vessels. But the human vessel is our heart, which is a repository. It's things that God has shown you over your life. It's like a storehouse. And the Holy Spirit in your life will pull those things out to show you truth and lead you into truth. That's why the Holy Spirit said, I'll show you things. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say, because when the time comes, I'll tell you what what to do. 
And that's exactly why we have to come and it's necessary for us to get in the Word of God because every one of us, including myself, are guilty of giving our opinion, aren't we? Hey, your opinion doesn't count. We're to seek the counsels of God. Isn't it amazing how people come to to you to get advice? This week, Don and I was thinking about the number of people have just come through our house this week that are seeking answers. And she will tell you very quickly that we feel so inept in our own self to give answers. But it's amazing that when they come, God opens that repository, the word that he's placed in our heart, which is a treasure that can meet their need. You know, I had an opportunity this morning of, of God confirming this, uh, I had a dear friend of mine come up to me and said, you know, this is the impression that I got. He was talking about a personal situation that he tried to go to the world to find the answer and couldn't find an answer. But he said God brought to him the parable of the prodigal son where the prodigal son got in the pig pen and he went to everybody trying to, but they wouldn't give him husk. And it was only then that he went to the father. He said, I think I'll go back to my daddy. He said, have you ever thought about if they would have given him husk, would he have gone back to the father? The answer is not. Probably wouldn't. But it's interesting that somewhere along the line, that prodigal son knew that the father was the answer. Now, as he shared that, God spoke to me and said, that's basically what I want to talk about today. Go to the Father to find out the answers to life. Amen? Now, there's a scripture <coughs> that uh, I want to share with you. It's very familiar with you. It's Romans 8, 28, 29. It says this, For all things work together for good, to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, those that he foreknew, his predestined, that they be conformed into the image of his dear son. Now, there's a couple of words I want to pick up in that verse, and one's called according to purpose. See, the Christian life is more than just coming to church. The Christian life is a dynamic which the world can understand. The Christian life is another reality that the natural man cannot enter into that you can if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that you have, but you've got to realize that it's there. Have you ever thought about what your purpose is? What was God's purpose when he called you? You know, it must be important because over in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, it says, walk in a life worthy of your calling. What are you called to do? Well, I always like to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning where God plants a seed for the first time is where you find the reality of that purpose. And guess what Genesis is? It's a book of beginnings, isn't it? So we go to Genesis and we find out God's purpose for mankind. Mankind meaning you and I that are redeemed. Because this was before the fall of man. This is God's purpose for redeem, for redeem mankind, for men that are, men that are 
in a relationship with God where God is their father. Okay, you with me so far? Okay, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, let's start there. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion, a rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The Lord took man and put him in a garden to work it and to keep it. Well, in these verses, God states his purpose for mankind. God states his purpose for man who had not sinned, which to us is man whose sins have been forgiven. You got the point? Okay, this is what he said. Here's man's purpose. Number one is to be fruitful and multiply. Well, Don and I have been kidded a lot because, you know, we have 15 grands and 13 great-grands, so that's a house full. And they, people, why did y'all have so many? I said, I taught biology, Bible, to be fruitful and multiply. But see, God didn't, wasn't talking about the natural. He's talking about the spiritual. God intended man with his spirit to be fruitful and multiply and produce spiritual children. That's your purpose. The second purpose was to fill the earth. Don't be limited. You know, I look around this room and be praise God, look at, look at the countries we've been to. And all with the purpose of filling the earth. See, you can look at the flags and you can look, see what the flags are there for. Why did we go? Why does Wayne Sellers go to Belize and spend his life down there? Why does some of why does Henry go to all the countries there? Or why do some of you go? To fill the earth. The next thing that I saw was he said, so do it. That doesn't mean force the gospel down anybody's throat. It means to bring it under God's control through love. That's your purpose, is to love. You know, so oftentimes we let petty things disrupt the body of Christ. We let th those that should be leaders hurt those that are not, that are, that are newborn babes in Christ and we run them away. God says, hey, love. Remember the spiritual man is always more responsible than the novice. Your plan is to do the earth through love. Then he says, rule. Have dominion, have control. You know, are you the tail? Or are you the dog? Does the dog wag the tail? Does the tail wag the dog? See, you can rule wherever you are by love. Jesus said, "If a man offends you, you turn the other cheek. You don't reach out in retaliation." See, God's purpose. God's purpose is next thing is tend your garden. Huh. It starts out with your own life. Are you tending your garden? How about your family? Are you tending your garden? Are you letting briars and thorns and thistles 
come in and choke out God's word where God's word cannot accomplish what God intended to do because they're choking out the life in the word because of your actions. See, God says, he put him in a garden to teach him how to do it, but he said do it in all the earth. He meant for that garden to expand. But something happened. Another kingdom invaded that garden. The kingdom of darkness. That was a black day in humanity. Because the day that the kingdom of darkness invaded that garden, man lost his purpose. See, man was so concerned with his self, with his own pride, with his own accomplishments, he started placing his efforts on getting ahead in the world. In fact, if you reach, read over in the fifth and sixth chapters of, of Genesis, into the seventh, it says God regretted that he had ever created man. Hmm. If you look further, I think it's in the sixth chapter, you see that it says God created man in his own image, male and female. He repeats that, okay, and he created him in his image. This was after the fall again, and he had a son called Seth. And Seth was different from his daddy. And that his daddy had been created in the image of God. But Seth was created in the image of Adam. Hmm. What does that mean? See, God originally, his purpose was to have a generation of people upon this earth whose progenitor was Adam, a man without sin, called the Son of God, that would accurately reflect him, rule in his stead, be fruitful and multiply, and represent God as Father to mankind. But Adam chose to listen to another, and man fell into darkness. But God, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. See, that's why it says over in, in Corinthians this. In Adam, that generation that Adam created, lost mankind, all men die. But in the last Adam, Jesus, we are made alive. See what happens in God's purpose, in God's plan, is that God knew this was going to happen, and he sent another Adam, the last Adam, there won't be any more, to start to be the progenitor of a whole new kind of creation on the earth. That's why the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Praise God Almighty. Amen. The redeemed of the Lord are part of a generation that will never see death. The redeemed of the Lord is a new generation of mankind who God has purposed to do the things that Adam failed to do. Amen? In Adam, all men die. But in Christ, we've been made alive. Boy, it's so good to know it's so good to know what your purpose is. 
Now, do you believe that the world can put their purpose on you? See, well, this is what it looks like. I want to get ahead. I don't care who I step on. I want to look good. I don't care how anybody else looks. I want to have my way, not his way. But the new generation says, not my will, but thy will be done. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I'm part of a new creation. Old things have passed away. I don't have to remember the past because God has forgotten it. I'm a new creation. Just think about it. Just think about the glorious, you know, Paul says this. In the book of Galatians, Paul said this. You know, by the way, Paul was, uh, some of you heard me say this, his religious terrorist who had a divine encounter with God, got his life changed, had to, change, re, had to rethink his theology because he had the wrong theology, okay? He had to go into Arabia and study the Old Testament from the prophets, from, from Moses all the way through the prophets to redefine what the gospel was. And when he came out, he came out with a gospel you and I grasp. And this is what Paul said about the gospel in Galatians. He said, the gospel that I received, I did not receive it by revelation of man. His origin wasn't man. But the gospel that I received was by revelation from Jesus Christ himself. I'm here to tell you, as I tell myself, you can never know the truth and Jesus Christ reveals it to you. You can't talk, learn about it in a book. That book has to be spirit and truth. And God has to speak to you and do an individual and tell you it's truth for you. That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And his job is to lead you in all truth. Folks, this is what Christianity is all about. We are a new people on earth to demonstrate the life of God to his creation. Nothing more and nothing less. We are to fulfill our mandate from God himself to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and rule it and tend it until Jesus comes back. Amen? It's not church as usual. But that's an interesting thing. If we're a new creation, that means we've got a new identity. Hmm. You know, I went back and started looking at Scripture and having my own thoughts. And uh, I've looked at the patriarchs. Uh, remember Abram? Y'all know who Abram was? He was an absolute heather. He was an Ur of the Chaldees worshiping an idol. And one day God heard him. He, he heard God. He never heard about God. Now you see, there you are, a heathen in a heathen country, had never heard the gospel. You're probably sitting down on a stone and God speaks to you. How many think you would hear God? You probably said, I got indigestion. But he heard God. And the, and the supernatural thing about it, he responded to what he heard. Why? Because he had a revelation 
that God himself was speaking to him. Amen. And Abram started a journey. And somewhere in that journey, he believed God and it was accredited him for righteousness. And God said, I want to enter a covenant with you. And God cut a covenant, a blood covenant with Abram. You know what happened when God cut that covenant? The same thing that happened to you. God changed his name. He wasn't Abram the heathen anymore. He was Abraham. Abraham. Everybody that heard knew that knew that God was a covenant partner with Abram. They knew that if they did something to Abraham, they better look over their shoulder because God was coming. But something happened to God. God became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abram became Abraham. Y'all remember Paul, Saul, or Tarsus that I've mentioned before? A heathen, a murderer. But he met the risen Savior. And his life changed forever. Saul the terrorist became Paul the apostle. Y'all remember Jacob? Deceiver. Manipulator. Cheated his brother out of his birthright. Y'all remember him? Lived in fear all his life. Until one day he met the Savior. Got a brook. Running in fear of his life. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, which was an Old Testament Christophany. That's Christ appearing in the Old Testament. And he wrestled with him all night long. And Jesus said, turn me loose. And he said, no, I won't turn you loose. And God gave Jacob a vision. Y'all remember what that vision was? We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. What was Jacob's ladder? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. And then the angel of the Lord touched his hip. And Jacob's name was changed forever. Jacob became Israel. Now, what's happened to you, you since you've got saved? What's your new reputation? What's your name change? Are you known more by who you are in the world than who you are in the church? Hmm? See, God's in the correction business. He's called us. You know, I, I shared this with Maria this morning as after the praise team got through singing. I was sitting there and the Lord was just talking to me. They, I, Maria, I don't even know what song y'all were singing. That's immaterial. God spoke to me. And he said, my canopy over you 
is love. Do you feel his love? He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you so much. He made you a new creation. He loves you so much. He is giving you a new identity that we all need. You know, as I jokingly said, that's the beginning of the sermon. Now let's get to the sermon. Turn, if you will, to the first chapter of Ephesians. Let's talk about our identity. If we're a new creation, what's our identity? How are we known? What do we look like? What do we feel about ourselves? See, you've, you've got to believe you're who you are. That's the wrong statement. You've got to believe that you're who God says you are rather than who you think you are. Amen? If you believe who you are, you live in guilt, shame, and condemnation all your life. But if you believe that you're who God says, if you by faith accept who God says you are, you'll live in victory. You can shake off the bonds of captivity and fulfill God's divine purpose for you and for the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay, let's look at Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus. Oh. Now, some translations have different words there. I don't care what word it says, it says the same. Some translations say to the saints that are in Ephesus. Does your translation say that? Well, now the NIV, and they say, well, I think it's NIV. I forgot what I have, the NIV or English Standard. But it's God's holy people. Now, have you ever thought about who he's talking to? He's talking to a bunch of heathens just like Abraham was. In Ephesus, they were worshipers of goddess Diana. Had a big sex trade. You could go there and buy figurines all day long, the original porn shop. They got saved. <laughs> God says you're holy. You're set apart. Oh. Holy means you've been made whole. Now, do you believe that God has made you whole? But I don't feel whole. Well, like I said this morning, what's feeling got to do with it? God said you are holy, set apart, sanctified. Now, what does that look like? Well, Jesus in John 17, 17, he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. What is it? God puts his word in you to separate you so when you come into conflict in life, you know what he says about it and you obey his word and you don't fall into a pit. You're set apart by the word of God. You're holy. You've been made complete in him. I don't feel like it. Well, forget that. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. 
Those that come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. Faith is trusting that God is able to do what God said he would do. Amen? But yet, a lot of folks choose to live on feelings. Uh-uh. It's a new creation. You've got a new identity. You believe the word of God over the circumstances of life. You believe that God is working all things for good in your life. Not that they are good. But you realize in your spirit that those things which are bad, God is going to work for good, and the good is going to be that when you get through them, you're going to come out looking more like Jesus than when you went in them. So therefore, you'll be a more accurate in your image of God the Father to his creation. You know, that reminds me of what my pastor at Morrison Heights said years ago that I've never forgotten. He said, if you were arrested on the streets of Clinton for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I never will forget what Jerry Clower said. Y'all know who Jerry Clower is? Jerry lived up in Yazoo City. Uh, his sales manager, a big fertilizer plant up there. And one Sunday afternoon, they came to his house and said, your son was in a terrible accident down in Sartarsia. And the police said, we, Jerry, we don't know whether he's dead or alive. The car is just messed up. And Jerry said in his testimony, he said, I got into my car. And I drove through the center of Yazoo City, by the way, which is not that big a deal. And he said people were lined up on the streets praying as I went by. And he said my prayer, he said, Lord, if I get there and he's dead, please don't let me act like a heathen. When we get into the pits of life, do we forget that we're a new creation? And do we act like a heathen, like there is no God? But the Bible says that you're holy. You're set apart. But then it says something else here. In the, in the next verse, it says, uh, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. The next thing that we must know is that we've been chosen. I'm not talking about election. I'm not talking about Calvinism, all that. Rose, he chose you to do his work. And by choosing you to do his work, he chose you to bless the nations. See, that's why he chose Israel, to demonstrate to a lost world that there is a God. That was a string from Genesis to the cross. Israel was chosen not because they were the greatest, but simply because he loved them. He chose them to do exactly what he told Abraham to do. He said, from out of you, I will bless the nations. 
So see, you are the cho- you are a new creation, holy and set apart, chosen by God to do his purpose on earth, which is to reflect to God's creation that he is God. Hey, that's your mandate. You're chosen. You're a person of destiny. And God one day will look and see. Come on in, good and faithful servant. You've done what I sent you to do. You're chosen. Well, there's another one here, this verse. In love, he predestined us for the adoption of sons. Huh. See, your new identity is that you're son of God with all the rights of sonship. You know, one thing about Roman adoption is when, when a Roman adopted a child, that child left his family and became part of the father's family. He had a change of address. You know, he was Jones, now he's Smith. Y'all got to comparison. He got a new address. He got a new name, a new family. He was no longer an orphan. He was a son. Before that, he had no rights. Now he had all the rights of the household. Oh. But see, there's a lot more to that word sonship because if you remember the scripture we started off with, Romans 8, 28, he says, conformance into the image of his son, that his son might be the firstborn among many firstborn sons. So not only did God call you to be a son, he called you to be a firstborn son. That's awesome. One of the first responsibilities of a firstborn son was take care of the father's house while the father was out of town. Kind of sounds like tending the garden, doesn't it? Taking care of the father's house. Well, the thing about that is, you you say, well, we'll take care of our house. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God himself indwells you? The first thing you have to take care of is your own self. To make sure everything's right with God. You tend the house till the Father comes. Huh. Amen? That's why the love of Christ constrains I'm free to do anything I want to do, but I don't because the love of Christ constrains me. Well, I like to operate in a gray area. God doesn't say anything about this, negative, positive. Yeah, but if it offends my brother, I won't do it. Amen? Doesn't that solve a lot of theological questions? We go to seed on minors. We know when we're not doing the majors. See, a firstborn son had a lot of responsibility. He had a double portion, which meant that he had enough to give away to take care of the needs of the family. He was a ruler. He was a king, which means he ruled the household. 
okay? The thing, next thing was he was a prophet, okay, which means that he had the right to speak what God said to the people. That was one thing. The next thing, he was a priest. Ooh, what does a priest do? A priest represents the people to God. And in Genesis 3.15, it tells you what the firstborn does. He's a head crusher of Satan. Amen? So say, is that your right as a son? Do you know that your new identity? You're a son tough dude. The life I now live, I now live by the power of the Son of God. He's transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. And he's given me a new name in glory. He's given me new authority. And I choose to live like a slave. I have not the foggiest idea what God's word said or says. I have to depend upon somebody else to send the studies to show myself approved, a workman unashamed. I choose to live by feelings and not by faith. Pretty tough, isn't it? I have a form of godliness, but I deny the power of it. I don't realize that Christ in me is my hope of glory. I don't realize that the life I now live, I now live by the power of the Son of God. I don't have to live it. Christ has already done it all. I just have to accept it. Yield to it. And the toughest thing in my life is that of myself, that I can do it. But yet, hey, there's something else that's important there. Look at this verse. Here's another right. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Hey, underline that if you've got pen, pencil, mascara, or what have you. Underline that. That's pretty important. See, he's written in the, in, 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 the, in the Roman culture. The word redemption, is, picture this. I am in a slave cell in shackles waiting to be sold, but I can't do anything because I'm in captivity. Then there comes a man, by the way, who is Christ Jesus. He comes into that slave cell. He reaches down, pulls me up. The chains fall off, and now I am free to do what I was created to do. That's what God did for you. That's what God did for me. He has set me free to fulfill my divine purpose, which is to represent him to the world. He has set me free. And I, as I told the group in the early church this morning, you know, that <laughs> what Martin Luther King said was awesome. Free at last. Free at last. Praise God Almighty, I'm free at last. But I choose to live in shame. Now, isn't that a kick in the face? He has set me free to fulfill my purpose. He's given me power to do that because he's done everything that needs to be done for me to accomplish that purpose. Yet I choose to live my life on the natural rather than the supernatural. These are some things to think about. How did he do it? 
through his blood. Have you ever imagined, you know, something's value is based on what it costs. Amen? A BMW will get you from point A to point Z, right? So will a Model T. Do they cost the same? No. Which is more valuable? Well, today the Model T probably is, but that was a, on second thought. But you get the point. It costs you everything heaven had to redeem you and transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his dear son, that you might fulfill God's purpose, which has never changed and never will change because he will always have a remnant to do it. Amen? You were created. You were bought and paid for. You were brought, bought out of slavery by his blood and set free. By the way, Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. He's still doing it. Oh, I like this next one. The forgiveness of sins. Accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. Oh. You've heard this preached as I have. It probably was preached right, but I probably heard it wrong. Man, Jesus forgave me of my sins. Did he? Well, uh, he forgave me yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Every time I sin, his grace is so lavish. He just poured it out on me and forgave me. Now, do you receive that forgiveness? If you don't, you live in condemnation. And the Bible says, praise God, there is no condemnation for those who walk by the Spirit and not after the flesh. Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation. See, your new identity is you're a person who has been set free totally from the guilt of sin. There is nothing more that you can do. Well, i got to say, you know, Martin Luther walked up and down that 99 steps to his head calluses on it. He said, wait, wait a minute, this is dumb. Jesus paid it all. I'm completely forgiven. Past, present, and future. And because I understand what it cost him to purchase me out of the slave pit, and he purchased me by his blood, the blood of Christ constrains me. It makes me walk differently than the world walks. That's your new identity. That's my new identity. Praise God Almighty. We're free at last. Amen? So, basically, we are holy, saints, set apart. We're chosen by God to be a blessing to the nations. We are adopted as sons with all the rights of sonship, we have redemption because he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And since we have forgiveness of sins by his grace, we're free today, yesterday, 
and tomorrow. Amen? For if we do sin, we have an advocate, our high priest, who forever makes intercession before us by the throne of God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, what a Savior. This is what Jesus has done for you and me. And yet you have people all over this city, all over this state, ho-hum. The gospel doesn't set me free. I just go to church without realizing what God has done for me. See, that's why the gospel is called the good news. It's the good news. You can't get any better news than that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word is what separates us from the world. You thank, we thank you for this new covenant. But we thank you, Father, that only covenant people can hear what you say because it's meant for them. Lord, in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians, you said the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever to the gospel. Father, we pray that those eyes will be open to hear the good news that Jesus came to give us. Thank you, Father. Help us to be the people that you created us to be. As a part of this new creation, this new type of man that is walking the earth today, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a good day.